Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners once again today. And we are so thankful to have this opportunity to open up God's Word with all of those who tune in each day here on Search the Scriptures. And we're thankful that so many want to do that, want to learn more from God's Word. And we know that there are many of you who listen every day or close to it. Others listen frequently, but they can't get to it every day because of their schedule conflicts. And others listen as they can from time to time. And then there are always new listeners. We're thankful for every single one of you. We appreciate those who have contacted us either by snail mail or email or made phone calls. And many in the Omaha area have actually stopped by and visited with us here at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. We appreciate so much meeting those face-to-face, but we also appreciate talking to some on the telephone and, and hearing from others again through various means of communication. We appreciate that. That's encouraging to us. And again, it's encouraging to know that there are so many people who want to learn more about God's Word. I know that there's a somewhat of a pessimistic attitude, or maybe we should say fatalistic attitude on the part of many people today, thinking that, you know, people just really don't want to hear the Bible. They don't care about God. They don't care about faithfulness. They don't want to know about church. That's all to them. It's old-fashioned and outdated and outmoded, and they don't want to be a part of that. They're not interested in that. Well, there are some like that and some who simply do not believe in God whatsoever. We would call those atheists. There are others who are skeptics. There are others who are agnostics. And all of those are degrees of atheism or disbelief. But most people believe in God. Sad, though, that a whole lot of people who believe in God really don't want to be concerned with God. They don't want to be all caught up in the, uh, in, in their mind, the inconvenience of having to think about morality and faithfulness and dedication and commitment on an ongoing basis. They want to just live their lives, do whatever they want to do, and not be bothered with any responsibilities or obligations of a religious nature. Well, at the same time, there are a great many people who have played that game, so to speak, and they have come up empty. And ultimately, the end of that particular philosophy of life or lifestyle, if you want to call it that, is emptiness. It goes nowhere. It gets people nothing. Fleeting pleasures for the moment, and then they come up with another desire to find something that will make them happy or give them fulfillment, and they keep coming up on empty over and over and over again. When they do that, then a lot of people realize they need something more profound than just whatever they can figure out to make them happy for the moment. And they start to realize that they're missing out on their spiritual lives. And that's where they finally start to turn toward God. They want to know more about him. They want to learn more from his word. And that's what this radio program is all about, largely, to teach people about God and thereby to bring God glory, bottom line. If you're listening for the first time, we do hope and we pray that you'll be impressed with the fact that we teach the Bible in this program. In fact, our programs are filled with Scripture, and every day we offer all of our listeners a free Bible study. 
If you'll have a pen or a pencil and a piece of paper ready, at the end of the program, we'll tell you how you can contact us and receive that free Bible study. And when we say free, we mean exactly that. We don't want you to send us anything. We'll take care of the postage even. We just want to help you learn God's Word better. All you have to do is contact us and ask for that study. You can also receive today's program or any of the programs on Search the Scriptures for free on CD. All you have to do is ask us, and again, we'll take care of the postage. So have that pencil and piece of paper ready, and we'll give you the information by which you can contact us and ask for that free material at the end of the program today. The lead-in, or kind of introduction, to the program today is really fits into and blends in with what we're studying. This particular study has been entitled, God Can Forgive Someone As Bad As You. And then when you come to recognize that God can forgive you when you have gone to him in his way to receive that forgiveness, then you can forgive yourself. As I've noted earlier in this study, there are a whole lot of people who think that they are so bad that they cannot be forgiven or that they have done some things that are so bad that God would not forgive them of their sins. Or maybe they've lived a lifestyle that has been so consistently evil, wicked, immoral, unrighteous, unfaithful, ungodly for such a long time that surely they're unforgivable. Some other people have have thought that they've committed something that they have understood to be an unforgivable sin. But let me assure you, God can forgive someone, even someone as bad as you. Yes, he can. So whatever it might be that is in your mind that is so bad, that is so profoundly unrighteous that you think surely you could not be forgiven. God can forgive someone as bad as you. And how thankful we all ought to be for that truth. God can forgive you no matter what you've done. Now that does not mean that you should be presumptuous and just go out and do whatever you want to do and just kind of flaunt your wicked ways before God and before the world and then turn around and say, ha, okay, now God, you love me. You're all forgiving. You are all powerful. You are all gracious. Now forgive me. No, no, that's not the way it works. The Apostle Paul, in fact, when he was writing the Romans letter, he addressed the, that, that very concept or close to it. Apparently, there were some who suggested that if God is so gracious, then why don't we just continue to sin so that his grace can abound all the more? In Romans chapter 6 and verse 1, Paul said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. That was his response. And it was emphatic with emphasis. In verse 15, what then? Shall we sin 
because we are not under the law but under grace? And again, his answer, certainly not. We might say, perish the thought. Of course not. So you don't flaunt unrighteousness. You don't flaunt wickedness. You don't flaunt sinfulness in your life and then just kind of flippantly and carelessly, casually turn to God and say, okay, now I'm ready to be forgiven. Not the way it works. But if you're sincere and you're truly repentant of your sins, God can forgive you if you will come to him his way for that forgiveness. Jesus was sent to the cross specifically for you. In Luke 19 and verse 10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Again, in that Romans letter, as we noted in an earlier program, Paul talks about how God sent Christ into this world and ultimately to the cross as that perfect sacrifice when we were still without strength, when we were ungodly, when we were still sinners, when we were enemies of God because of our sinfulness. In spite of all of that, God sent Christ to the cross to pay the price for the guilt of your sins and my sins. He did not come to call righteous folks to repentance, but sinners. Matthew chapter 9 and, verses, and verse 13. And the Apostle Paul, when he was writing to Timothy the first time, he said that it's a truthful saying. I'm paraphrasing somewhat, that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. And then Paul added, of whom I am chief. And so Paul classified himself as the chief of sinners, and yet he recognized that it was for even for him that Christ came into this world. He came to taste death for everyone, Hebrews 2 and verse 9, and chapter 9, verses 26 through 28. He bore our sins in his own body, 1 Peter 2 and verse 24. He shed his blood for the remission of sins, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28. God can forgive any sin even yours. You cannot be so bad that God cannot forgive. Again, if you are truly repentant and if you come to him for forgiveness, his way. In Isaiah chapter 59, Isaiah chapter 59, beginning with verse 1, notice these words. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. 
but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Now, someone might read verse 2 there and say, well, see there, I've been so bad, God can't forgive me. My iniquities, my sins have hidden his face from me. He will not hear my call, my cry, my plea for forgiveness. No, what we need to understand in verse 2 is that if you continue in your iniquities, if you continue in your sins, that separates you from God. But go back to verse 1. His hand is not shortened. His ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. His power is not limited that he cannot save. Only we limit God by our actions. So if you are truly repentant, if you truly seek God's forgiveness and you'll come to him his way for that forgiveness, God can and will forgive you, even you. Think about what he did for all of us because of our sin. Going back to Isaiah chapter 53, he sent Christ, as we said, as our Savior, our Savior. Think about what that word means. And speaking of Christ, verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Now that was on our behalf. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The iniquity or the sin of every one of us, and that includes your sin, your iniquity. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Christ did all of that on our behalf. He did that on your behalf. And Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All should come to repentance. He's not willing that any should perish. So whatever you've done, however bad it's been, God wants to forgive you, even you, if you'll come to him in repentance, and humbly seeking his forgiveness, his way, and submitting to his teachings as to how you can be forgiven. When we go back to the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, we see the church coming into existence. Jesus came to build his church. He told his apostles that. Back in Matthew chapter 16. And so here we see the church coming into existence. 
And we find the apostles teaching the multitude in Jerusalem on that day. And Peter's sermon is highlighted in Acts chapter 2. Now, when, he comes to ver- when we come to verse 36, Peter has gone through something of a, of a history, so to speak, to some extent of, of the background, the past of the Jewish people. He's also kind of brought back before their eyes the ministry of Jesus to them during that three years or so that he was here on this earth pursuing his public ministry. And he tells them, he tells those Jews, Peter does, you've crucified the Son of God. You have put him to death, verse 23. You've crucified him. You've taken him by lawless hands. And yet Peter says, but God raised him up. He loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. And you see Peter, you can imagine as he's addressing that multitude of people, and there are thousands of people there. He comes to verse 36, and we see something of a climax. When he, and can you imagine him looking at the crowd and scanning them, looking in their eyes, and perhaps sweeping his hand across that multitude. And he says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Oh, how that must have cut many of those in that crowd that day. In fact, the next verse, verse 37 of Acts chapter 2 says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Oh, many of them were convicted of their guilt, of their sin in rejecting and then crucifying or at least contributing to the crucifixion of Jesus, the Son of God, the Lord and Savior of mankind. What shall we do, they asked. Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the remission of sins. Now, that particular word is used or defined as forgiveness. In fact, you'll find forgiveness used as a synonym for that often. But if I understand that word in the original language in which the New Testament was written, which was Greek of that day, the word remission, that word in the Greek means more than what we simply think of as forgiveness. It means the idea that it's completely removed, no more record of it. In fact, I think we get a a sense of that in the third chapter of Acts when, again, Peter is preaching to a multitude. And in verse verse 19 of chapter 3, he says, Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. 
so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Now they could, their sins could be blotted out as they were baptized into Christ, as they were immersed in baptism in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the remission of their sins. And again, that idea is that their sins, the, the memory of it would be no more. They would be blotted out, removed forever. No more record. In fact, in, other, in another text we find where God says he would remember those sins no more. We find such descriptive language as, though your sins were as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And you see the complete contrast between the two concepts. God can forgive someone as bad as you. Those Jews on Pentecost whom Peter said had crucified the Son of God could still be forgiven. Now, what could you imagine that you have done that could possibly be worse than what they had done? And God could still forgive them. And if God could forgive them, my friend, he can forgive you, even someone as bad as you. Take that to heart. Trust God. Believe him. In just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us and ask for that free Bible study. And in that study, you will learn exactly how God has laid out in his word for you, even someone as bad as you, to be forgiven through the blood that Jesus shed on the cross so long ago. Or you can contact us personally and ask to speak to somebody. And we'll talk to you right over the phone. Be assured you can be forgiven. Let us hear from you right away.